Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network and the Fans for Sports Network. Hopefully you are checking out the new website. We are getting ready to be doing a lot more content starting this Saturday. That is SteelCurtainNetwork.com. Go to SteelCurtainNetwork.com to find all that great Steelers content that you thrive on a day-to-day basis, including our podcast. You don't want to miss any of that. But also ffsn.app app make sure you're checking that out the nfl feed have written a couple articles there already i've also been writing some baseball stuff talked about the 2024 regular season schedule being released i'm doing a lot of crap right now i'll tell you that but i love it i absolutely love it and what i wanted to do on today's let's ride podcast and we do have the we have the heart to heart coming up at the very end we have the the all bets are off with jeremy drone bets coming up all that stuff's great but what i wanted to talk about and this is kind of it kind of stems from wednesday's show wednesday's show i talked about Najee harris i talked about how really no one was actually talking much about Najee harris including myself i hadn't really discussed him too much and so i started to think about another player another player who I think it's going to have a very large role on this team in 2023, yet isn't getting a lot of publicity. And a lot of that is not because he's a bad player. It's not because he's a bad person. It's because it's just his demeanor. Talking about Larry Ogunjobi. That's right, Larry O. I go back to, because you, know, you don't hear a lot about Larry Ogunjobi. Last year, we heard a lot about his injuries, foot injuries, ankle injuries. I think he suffered a back injury at some point. And he is a guy who's just quiet and does his job. It's crazy. Even in interviews, when you watch them on Steelers.com or you see clips on Twitter, he's just a guy that just, man, he's just really quiet. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Don't confuse the two. But I go back to Mike Tomlin's quote, and I can't remember if this was at the, the league meetings. I think it might have been. Someone asked Mike Tomlin, hey, is this? have we seen the best of Larry Ogunjobi? Or is he going to be even better? This year, and he said, in a, essentially, I don't have the exact quote, Steeler fans haven't seen the best of Larry Ogunjobi yet. So that tells us a couple things. Well, first, he was probably pretty banged up last year. And so what you saw last year, even though his statistics weren't awful, but you didn't see the, the best possible player that Larry Ogunjobi could be. So I hear that. I, I've constantly thought about that this offseason. And the one thing that keeps coming to mind because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you all right now. I don't pay attention to a lot of other teams like I do the Steelers. The division gets a lot of attention for me, rightfully so. But other than that, like I don't know the, the, the minutia and those players for all these teams. I just don't. And so when Larry Ogunjobi was in Cleveland or in Cincinnati, I didn't know much about him. I lean on people like our Jeffrey Benedict and Kevin Smith as they tell me exactly what they think because they know more than I do. And so in that regard, I didn't know much about Larry Ogunjobi. So I was thinking maybe you, the listener, doesn't know much about Larry Ogunjobi because the question here is, what does a healthy Larry Ogunjobi actually bring to the Steelers? That's a tough question. Everyone's talking about, oh, he's healthy this year, he's healthy this year. The Steelers obviously see value in him. They gave him that really big contract this past offseason, which locked him up in Pittsburgh for, I think, three years. He got a big payday three-year contract, 
and he is now going to be a stealer for at least those three seasons. But the one thing I kept on thinking about was he's banged up. Tomlin says he's healthy. What does that look like? So before we get into his stat line, because I'm going to kind of handle this the same way I did the Najee Harris, where I'm going to look at his stats. I want to look at his background. I didn't know much about Larry Ogunjobi, so I looked it up, and I want to share that with you. So in the 2017 draft, Larry Ogunjobi was taken in the third round by the Cleveland Browns, and this was out of Charlotte. Now, you might think, well, Charlotte, I've heard that before. There's a Steeler that there's – there's a connection there, isn't there? Yes, Alex Highsmith also graduated from Charlotte, and so did inside linebacker coach Aaron Curry. He, too, went to Charlotte. So there are some connections there with Larry Ogunjobi. Unfortunately, the most notable play for Larry Ogunjobi in Cleveland was probably that debacle in, on Thursday Night Football in 2019. We all know what the, where I'm going with this. Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett, the helmet incident. And it was after Garrett was pulled off of him. Rudolph was standing there. It was Larry Ogunjobi who came up behind Mason Rudolph and shoved him to the ground. And he got suspended for a game for that. So that was probably the most notable thing about Larry Ogunjobi's time in Cleveland. So after that incident and after that season, he gets a one-year contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. During that season, he has a record high in sacks. We'll get to the stat line in a second. And a team tied for tackle for losses. A phenomenal season. He was getting ready. And this was one of those one-year, give me a chance to prove myself, and I want to hit it big in free agency. And then the wild card round happened in the playoffs. It was a foot injury in the wild card round of that year that Larry Ogunjobi left the game. And this is very similar to Chris Wormley. When you think back to last season, Chris Wormley tears his ACL. I think in week, it was either weeks 18 or week 17. I can't remember. And it was one of those waning weeks of the regular season tears his ACL. He's going to be a free agent next year. And there's a part of you deep down inside as a human being that cringes. And it's like, Oh gosh, that is the absolute worst possible time. So Larry Ogunjobi has this foot injury, the wild card round. He misses the rest of the postseason, and then in free agency, he is getting ready to sign a multi-year deal with the Chicago Bears. And what happens? He fails his physical. You fail your physical in the NFL, folks, it means one thing. Good luck finding a job. Good luck finding employment by another NFL team. They're just not interested in paying someone who has a significant injury somewhere on the body that's going to hinder them from playing. You're just not going to do it. So Omar Khan takes over after the draft as the Steelers general manager when Kevin Colbert retires, and he goes out and says, you know what, we're going to give him a one-year, $8 million deal. He signs it, comes in, and he plays some pretty good football even when he's banged up. So what I wanted to do is I want to look back at his stat line, his entire career since 2017, and I wanted to try and find if there was something statistical that I could point to and say, if you're looking for what a healthy Larry Ogunjobi could do, it's this. It's this one thing. And so what I was, I kept on thinking about a couple things. I was hoping, I wasn't hoping, but I was expecting to see that there were some seasons where he didn't play a lot of games because of injury. So then I would think to myself, well, he is he's injury prone. That's why he's not really stuck around anywhere outside of his rookie deal. That didn't really happen. In terms of games played, Larry Ogunjobi as a rookie played in 14 in 2017. He played in 16 games in 2018, 
15 in both 2019 and 2020. He played in all 16 in Cincinnati in 21, and last year he played in 16 games in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, there's 17 games in 2021. He played in 16 of those. So really, he didn't have those years where he was missing a significant chunk of the season. He's been pretty much durable, even if he's banged up. Then you look at combined tackles. Okay, so you're looking at combined tackles. His rookie year didn't play as much, 32 combined tackles. Then it goes to 52. Then at 50 in 2019. Dips a little bit in 2020 with 46. Back up to 49 in 2021. And last year he finished with 48 combined tackles. But let's get to the stats that actually matter when you're talking about a defensive lineman. Tackle for loss. Anytime they tackle a player behind the line of scrimmage. So in 2017, again, rookie year, he has four. 2018 goes up to 10. 2019 goes up to 10. There's a dip in 2020, only five. In Cincinnati, like I said, he tied for the team league that lead that year with 12. And then last season, he finishes with seven. So out of his career, three of those seasons, he's had double-digit tackle for losses. I love that stat line. I love that trend. Let's go to sacks. Rookie year, one. The next two years, in 2018 and 2019, he has five and a half sacks, respectively. In 2020, again, he was kind of banged up, didn't play well that season, two and a half sacks. In Cincinnati, he had 12, or he had seven sacks. And that was a that's a record high for him in, in Cincinnati in 2021. He had a fantastic year. Last year, only one and a half sacks. But sometimes when you don't need a defensive lineman to get to double-digit sacks, you just need him to get to the quarterback. So let's talk about quarterback hits. In his rookie year, he had three. 2018, he had 15. 2019, 13. 2020, 6. 2021, 16. And 2022, 11. So when I look at all of this, I look at all these key stats, and you could talk about you know, the guy's had one pass defense in his career. Okay, well, that, that really doesn't matter in, the, in regards to answering the question that is, what does a healthy Larry Ogunjobi look like, and what does it mean for the Steelers' defense? If I were to point to one year, it would be that 2021 season. His lone year in Cincinnati, where he had 49 combined tackles, he had 12 tackle for loss, and he had seven sacks with 16 quarterback hits. That, in my opinion, is what a healthy Larry Ogunjobi looks like. Mainly, the 12 tackle for loss, seven sacks, and the 16 quarterback hits. That 16 quarterback hits is a career high for him. That is what I think of, and this is the stat line that I think of when I consider what a healthy Larry Ogunjobi could do. Well, here's the kicker, and here's what I keep reminding myself, is that when you compare the Cincinnati Bengals 2021 defense to what the the Steelers are going to put out there this year, night and day difference. With T.J. Watt there, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward also on the defensive front, they have added pieces in the draft in recent years to Marvin Leal, Keanu Benton this year in the second round. You're talking about overall a, a better defensive front if Larry Ogunjobi is genuinely healthy, and if he is, and this is a big if, if he is 100% healthy, like Mike Tomlin suggests, what does it look like? A healthy Larry Ogunjobi could be the closest thing we've seen to the Stefan Tuit Cam Hayward era since Stefan Tuit suddenly decided to retire from football. 
And if you remember back in 2019, especially those two were absolute wrecking crews when it came to playing against the opposition. It was phenomenal to watch. I loved every second of it. I'll never forget the hit that Stefan Tuit had. I want to say it was on one of the McCown boys from Cleveland. He gets pushed up the arc. McCown goes underneath. He turns around. McCown's got his eyes downfield and he hits him. He looked like a killer whale eating a seal in the middle of an ocean. It was unbelievable. It was a legal hit too. So if Larry Ogunjobi, I'm not expecting that level of athleticism from him like Stefan Tuit. Stefan Tuit was a very unique individual as it pertains to his skill and his attributes at the NFL level. But if he could even just be a, a portion of that, that can go a long way. Give Cam Hayward someone on the opposite him that can take some of the attention away from him. It's going to make Cam Hayward's life a lot easier. It's going to help with the longevity of his career, having him play hopefully very meaningful snaps and at a high level for a long time, at least for the final two years of his contract. If Larry Ogunjobi can duplicate 2021, and what's crazy here, last thing before we take a break, What's crazy is if he can duplicate 2021, and I talked about those stat lines, when you look also at last season when he was really banged up, he did play in 16 games, only one less tackle in 2022 than 2021, seven tackles for loss, okay? And then you also had only one and a half sack, but he still had 11 quarterback hits. That's not bad. I have high hopes for the Steelers and the Steelers' defense. A lot of it is going to hinge on the play up front. And that's where Larry Ogunjobi comes into play. Hopefully Mike Tomlin wasn't lying. Hopefully Larry Ogunjobi is on point and I'm excited to see what he can do. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after this break, we're going to have uh, the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts and stay till the very end for a very special heart to heart. We'll be right back after this break. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Friday. It's the second half of the show. It means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. What's up, Jeremy? How's it going? It's going great. Having a good time. Got the day off work. Not for a great reason, but uh, still yeah. getting some stuff done around the house. Uh, kids sick, though. But, hey, it's life, and uh, we're moving forward. Sick kids are the worst. It's never fun. It's never good. Nonetheless, it's a necessity of parenthood. And I'm glad that you could take the time to join and talk about the Steelers. I do have to ask you a question. So I ask you a lot of questions (laughs) when it comes to HBO hard knocks. Okay. So I wrote this article because people don't realize there's a criteria for an NFL team to be considered for hard knocks. They can't have a new head coach. If they've made the playoffs in the last two years, or I think, what is the third criteria? I forget what the third one is. I wrote it down in the article, yeah, but I forget else. it. There's <laughs> another criteria. It said there were only four teams eligible, and the NFL told the Jets, that's you this year. If the Steelers were to not make the playoffs this year, they would be eligible. And I got to think that the NFL would say, yep, that's going to Pittsburgh because everyone would love it, and a lot of people would watch. It's a global name. What would your thoughts be if the Steelers did happen to be? I mean, we hope that doesn't happen. We hope they make the playoffs right. and they're ineligible right. for another two years, all that good stuff. But if they were selected, what would your thoughts be? Would you be behind it? Like, yes, let's see the behind the scenes stuff. Or would you kind of just like cringe? No, thank you. 
No, give give me the content. Give it all to <laughs> us. <laughs> let me see as much as possible. I I'm a content junkie when it comes to my Steelers. So let me let me see behind the scenes. Let me get to know these guys and the coaches and the meetings and um you know getting that inside view for somebody who's not on the inside that that would be amazing uh, if it was my team if i was a jets fan this year this is exactly what i'd want is for my team to to get it so bring it on mike tomlin would absolutely hate it and See, I, weren't I, they eligible a couple years ago they might have been because they missed the playoffs missed the playoffs two years in a row they were eligible it was one of those uh, rare times if ever they would be in uh people yeah. were calling for the Steelers to be the team and it goes to somebody else like the Rams, I think, or something like that. But um, I think sometimes it comes down to like, is there a team that would actually be willing to do it? Uh, you yeah. Know, they're like, yeah, we'll do it. I think Detroit last year was like, yeah, bring it on. Like, come on, show us the cameras. And it actually, Hey, I don't know about you, but it actually helped their overall persona of the team. I feel like the inside look on coach Campbell, like, you know, he's just such a passionate guy. Fans saw that of the NFL, yeah. not even of just the Detroit Lions. They're like, man, I'd run through a wall for this guy. It gives you a different look on it. I'm sure they would feel that way about Mike Tomlin. Here's what I don't get. I don't understand the fans that say, this would be a distraction. This is dumb. Yeah, well, maybe it's a distraction for the team and you don't want there to be a distraction with your favorite team. But as a fan, like you said, from the outside pointing in, my gosh, this would be freaking awesome. Would it not? I mean, this would be great. I would love it. So, yes, yeah, so let's move on from hard knocks. Uh, you know, it is what it is, and the Jets are the team this year. I would really not be happy if the Steelers ever got the in. They tried that in season, with, I think, with Arizona last year. I, don't do that. Like, if, yeah. it's a training camp is one thing. Don't do in season. <laughs> that That is a distraction. But it's not, still, nonetheless, uh, let's talk about a player that I spoke about in the first half of this podcast, and that is Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi is a guy who I've said this a lot. I don't know if people really have listened, but everyone's always banking on certain things from happening, but there's no guarantee. You know, Mike Tomlin says, well, you haven't seen the best of Larry Ogunjobi. And I was like, well, what does it even look like? When you think of Larry Ogunjobi, who's healthy at 100%, playing on that defensive front, what exactly do you picture him as, whether it's a player comp, whether it's a stat line, what is it that you think of when you think of man, Larry Ogunjobi at his best? This is what it could look like. Well, I just think he's a disruptor in the middle. And so if I were to like just call him something, that's what I would say. His his athleticism for a bigger guy is is top level. I mean, that's kind of his calling card. So you're talking about a guy who gets after quarterbacks. Now, I think more of a pocket-pushing pass rusher than – than a run stuffer, you know, that's kind of been his mantra is get after quarterbacks and, and wreak havoc from, from, from the interior. I would consider him and Cam Hayward, very similar style players. Cam Hayward's had a better career, obviously, and maybe a little bit more well-rounded of a player, but Ogan Joby to me as a healthy player who um, doesn't have the limitations of uh, nagging injury or even, you know, a, a new place again for the fifth time in five years or however many times he had swapped teams uh, recently, uh, spe specifically in the AFC North, you know, the ability to, to keep moving in a system, get to know the guys you're playing with and, and develop together as a team. That's going to be huge for a guy like this, who, who can use that athleticism and disruptive ability to, to help this team out. I think he's going to be a huge piece. Um, 
I think Jim Wexel wrote about him recently as well in his breakout players uh, for 2023. And he had Ogan Joby as a potential breakout player. So that's a, it's a good description of him as a, as a person who hasn't really hit a stride with the team yet, whether that was with injury or just inexperience with the team that all comes together here in 2023. And you're hoping you get the guy who uh, in Cleveland and Cincinnati had some, some pretty big seasons as a pass rusher and again, disruptor. Yeah, Larry Ogunjobi healthy would be phenomenal, but I want to then tie this into the entire defensive line, just the defensive line. We're not talking edge rushers or anything like that. In terms of the depth that they have, whether you're talking about it, nose tackle, if you want to put Keanu Benton there, sure, Montrevious Adams. Yep. Then you obviously have Braden Fihoko, free agent addition. Then along the defensive front, you have Ogunjobi, you have Hayward, you have uh, uh, DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk. A lot of names that are still Armand Watts forgot him. What do you think about the overall depth of the defensive front? Are you happy with it? Or do you think that after that first wave, you're not very impressed? I'm actually very happy with it. I think you've got guys that can play multiple roles. I think you've got guys that if you need them to stick to a specific spot, say Montrevious Adams come in at nose tackle because you know, we want to move Keanu Benton outside. Somebody got hurt or needs a break and we need to do that. Or DeMarvin Leal is playing outside. We don't really have room for you there. Uh, Fehoko as well. Uh, they're, you know, kind of anchors in, on in the middle. And I think that you've got those type of guys. You got pass rushers like we talked about with Larry Ogunjobi, um, DeMarvin Leal kind of, I consider in that regard as well. And then you just got your, your all round players that, that can manage um, multiple positions. I think uh, Loudermilk uh, with another year under his belt, another, another year in Carl Dunbar's uh, training and development uh, looks a little bit better this year as well. So I'm extremely happy with the, with this depth. Obviously if you lose Cam Hayward, it's going to suck, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's going to hurt uh, if, if that happens, but um, you know, do they have the ability to survive a couple games because they've got depth, do they have the ability to rotate players in and still maintain a high level of both consistency and effectiveness? Yes, I believe so with this group. And to me, it's the strength of the defense is this front defensive line, despite the edge rushers being really good and depth improving there. I still think this defensive line kind of controls the ship for the Steelers. Do you, do you see Isaiah Loudermilk making this team or do you think he could be cut? Well, he could be cut, but I think, uh, the Steelers prioritize development and players that they've drafted. So um, I would say he, like if, if they were going to chop an either or situation, louder milk or one of the guys they brought in Armand Watts or Braden Fehoko this, this offseason, I'd say one of those guys gets, gets put on the chopping block as opposed to the guy that they drafted in our, in our development. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting along the defensive front and what the Steelers plan on doing with some of those players, whether you're talking about Fihoko and Montrevis Adams, I think that's a camp battle that no one's really talking about. And they're not going to keep three nose tackles. Why would you do that? Right. Um, and so one of those guys, they have two very different skill sets. Where does Keanu Benton fit along there? Does he play elsewhere? You know, I mean, I had Alan Saunders on my Let's Ride podcast two weeks ago, and he said, hey, he's going to have to do more than nose tackle. And then Jim yep. Wexel last Monday said, I think he's going to do more Ed, like defensive end, defensive tackle stuff than mm -hmm. he is nose tackle because, well, they want to get him on the field. So it's going to be really interesting to see that side of the football and specifically that area 
coming up in training camp in less than two weeks. Let's go to the offensive side, though. I want to get your take on training camp and as it approaches. Uh, really, I, I just want to get your overall thoughts on, is there a position group when you think about it that is maybe being, I don't want to say overrated, because that's that's not. This is like kind mm. of a, a, overinflated by the, the fan base, meaning like everyone's just pumping their tires so hard. And you're thinking, well, it might not be that easy or that great this year. Is there a position group on the offensive side of the ball that would fall into that category? I've got one, but I want to know what you think. Can I say quarterback without yeah, fall, getting sure. getting uh, crucified? <laughs> you that know, wasn't, that wasn't my position. Sure. But absolutely, you can say that. Go ahead. Um, so Kenny Pickett, while I believe in him and I believe that he'll make a, a step forward this year and and a leap relative to what we saw last year. I think to expect him to be a top 10 quarterback in year two to make a Trevor Lawrence like leap, you know, that's not the player he is. Um, that's not what the team's going to ask him to do uh, in this offense. I, if you look at how the, the team's designed, it's, it's designed around a punishing run game, a clock turning controlling unit that uh, can, can utilize some motion and play action to create plays down the field. Now, are you going to ask Kenny Pickett to win you some ball games uh, when the going gets tough? Yeah, you're going to have to, and you're going to want to see that. But he's I don't expect him to um, just all of a sudden be Joe Burrow, <laughs> you know, or all of a sudden be even Kirk Cousins, um, you know, something like that where, where the numbers are just off the charts and his effectiveness just goes through the roof. So while I expect him to be better than last year, while I expect him to, to make a leap, I do not expect him to, to just graduate all of a sudden into this elite group of quarterbacks after two years when uh, the, he's not going to be asked to be that guy necessarily uh, right away. So uh, to me, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you could say maybe the wide receiver group, George Pickens, you, you, you see all, all these guys that, um, that have so much talent tight end. I think maybe, maybe you were going to go tight end. I don't That's know where I was going. Okay. With it. I was going tight yeah. end. Yeah. So to me, it's the quarterback because our sure. expectations are just so high for him as, as a fan base majority here that maybe we need to just set the bar down a little bit. So um, if he's, if he doesn't throw 25, 30 touchdown passes this year, we're not all like, Oh, Kenny Pickett's not that guy, yeah. you know, Again. cause he might not even be asked to do that. Well, let, let's back up a bit. You know, I was going to say tight end. I don't need to go into that. I want to, you brought up, you know, people expecting him to be Joe Burrow. So think back to, he gets compared to Joe Burrow a lot when it comes to what were, what was, what was being said about him when he was coming out of college, out of LSU, he had one good year, right? A lot of people said yep. the same about Kenny Pickett. He has smaller hands. We all know the narrative about that. So mobility in terms of yep. most would say that Joe Burrow has a little bit of stronger arm, but Kenny Pickett's arm is stronger than people think. Yeah. They're very similar in terms of their leadership styles. There's, I think that might be, some might say, well, Jeff, you're way, you're jumping the gun if you're comping Joe Burrow. I understand that. But what I'm saying is when Joe Burrow was a rookie, did he do anything? I know he got hurt, but did he do anything that everyone said, you know, year two is when he is going to go off? Did, did yeah. that happen for you when you watched the NFL and you watched the Bengals that year? I mean, you obviously saw the, <laughs> a lot like Kenny Pickett, you saw the exactly. leadership qualities. Yeah. <laughs> you saw the, Kind of that that moxie that drives a, yeah. a good quarterback, you know. But yeah, I mean, outside of like you know sheer numbers wise, no, it wasn't 
super impressive. You know, you didn't think, oh man, this is the second coming of Peyton Manning back here, right. um, yeah. just by based on the numbers. But yeah, I. But then if you think about year two for Joe Burrow, as opposed to year two for Kenny Pickett, those offenses and what they're going to be asked to do, very one hundred percent different. So to me, it's more about um, expectation as opposed to reality in, in the fact of how the scheme plays that y- you might not see as big of a, of a massive statistical leap out of Kenny Pickett as um, fans might have hoped. You might see a lot of one touchdown, two touchdown performances and not a lot of these 350 yard, three touchdown, one pick games like you see out of Joe Burrow. And that doesn't mean that he's hasn't developed. It just means that he's not, He's not being asked to be more than just uh, let's get this offense up and down the field and score points. Uh, we don't have to be flashy doing it. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. All right, Jeremy, what do you have coming up for the Steel Curtain Network, both on the written side and on audio? What do you, let, let everyone know what you got going on. Yeah, so I'm continuing my series uh, edit, on the editorial side on ranking the AFC North teams by position. Um the tight end group that uh, we just mentioned here uh, should be running soon on the the new website. So check that out. And then um, on the podcast side, Andrew and I are breaking down some fantasy football stuff. We're going to hit the running backs this next week and talk a lot of Najee Harris, where he fits in as a fantasy uh, asset for your team. Even Jalen Warren, we'll talk about him as well. And we'll probably give you some advice or some thoughts on our, Uh, top 10 players at the position as well. Fantastic stuff as always. Jeremy, have yourself a good weekend, man. We'll talk to you next Friday. You too, man. All right, take it easy. We'll see you. And a big thank you to Jeremy Jerome Betts for taking the time, as he always does, to join me and talk Pittsburgh Steelers every week. Another week's in the books, folks. I can't believe it. We're almost close to training camp. I'm excited. I know you are too. But I wanted to say something on this Friday before the official change from behind the steel curtain on the written side to the steel curtain network. And this may sound counterintuitive, but I want to give a big thank you to SB nation Vox media and to anyone that has helped me along the way. It's funny because when you, when I think back at my career, which started as myself running a blogger blog spot site, uh, way back when probably back in like 2010, 11, 12, those years, and doing my own podcast about all the Pittsburgh sports teams to eventually running behind the steel curtain.com in 2014 and even going to an accredited website, DK Pittsburgh sports for two months, even though that didn't work out like the DK thing and, and SB nation was very good to me. I learned so much every single stop along the way, which has helped me and prepared me for what we're about to try and do at fans First sports network. So in that regard, I'm thankful for everyone that is, Come into contact with me at some point during this thing. Whether it was Neil Coolong at Behind the Steel Curtain, who was the editor prior to me and taught me a ton about how to run a website and how to make sure everything was on point. Whether it's all the writers that have been with me throughout those years, even though a lot of them are coming with me still to the Steel Curtain Network. Whether it is, uh, you know, how to to look at things from a different perspective and a different lens. Everyone that have been, that has helped me along the way, I want to say thank you. As we get ready to start this new venture, I'm excited, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity with Fans First Sports Network. As a quick reminder, that is the website steelcurtainnetwork.com. Make sure you check it out. 
And make sure you check out all of our podcasts, which you'll be able to find there, as well as anywhere we get your podcast, just by searching Steelers, you'll find the Steel Curtain Network logo. All right, folks, that does it for me. I'll be back on Monday. You know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. Good news.